You are now listening to a 302 Birds podcast experience. Proudly powered by TickPick, Cuffet, El Diablo Burritos, Nick's Pizza, and Klondike Cates on the heart of Main Street. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of 302 Birds out there in the wild world of Philly sports. A lot has happened this week. The Flyers seem to be our savior. Um, but we got a tap show for you guys. It's been a little bit depressing in the Philly sports world. I think, can I get some nods? Yes, yes. So hopefully things will start to look up for our Eagles. Like I said, we got a bunch for you guys. We got an awesome guest, Mr. Sean Smith here. So without further ado, let's kick off the show with our fantastic El Diablo call-in segment. What do I want when I'm in the state of Delaware? Of course, El Diablo burritos. Customer service always is serving your food with a smile on their face, asking how your day is. Their food is phenomenal as well. Their burritos are out of this world, one of the best burritos in town. Their queso is phenomenal. Their burrito bowls are amazing as well. When you're in and around Delaware, stop by your local El Diablo burritos and tell them that 302 Birds sent you. God bless you over. Thank you to El Diablo burritos for that sponsorship. Like Dalton said, tonight we have is Sean Smith. Bring on Sean. How are you doing tonight, Sean? Good. How are you guys doing? Uh, could be better. Good I thing it's that. the holidays. <laughs> Good thing it's the holidays. <laughs> it's keeping me sane. But uh, other than that, I mean, pretty pretty upset, Not, needless to say. Yeah. Yeah, very upset. Lot to uh, lot to unpack with this team. I'll tell you that much. For sure. Do you have any questions for us tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I know my feeling on it, but I want to see how you guys feel uh, on if Bradbury at this point, especially with that last drive, that 92-yard drive, do you guys think Bradbury needs to be benched at this point? And so, and maybe one of the rookies need to, to step in? What, what's your guys' opinion on Bradbury right now? Yeah, he's dog shit, dude. <laughs> he's, actually, he's actual garbage. I mean, that entire last drive, he, he was targeted every single play. And he did not make one – he didn't make one stop. And – Seeing how Keely Ringo and Eli Ricks played that entire game when Slay's healthy, I would love to see, you know, one of them kind of shadowing him on the other side of the field. Um, Bradbury has not looked good over this three-game stretch that we have been losing by, you know, letting up 30 points a game. Um, so that's my opinion. I, I don't think that he's a very good football player anymore. I think he's kind of getting old. Um, and it's certainly not helping that, you know, they're putting him on an island out there and he has to play one-on-one against some pretty good pretty good wide receivers. So I that's I think that it would be beneficial for him to kind of sit out a game and just kind of take that into take that into consideration. I think a big thing you mentioned there was when Slay returns healthy. I, I think as of right now, you know, if Slay stays out, we're kind of just going to roll with him and roll with everybody we got. But like you said, when Slay comes back, I would totally be open to the idea of benching him and, you know, kind of slot in who's playing well at the time, who has the better matchup, et cetera. Because he straight up, he's getting cooked right now. He aged 15 years in one off season, so. Yeah, and I think it's important to note too that Maddox is coming back soon. I mean, he's he's activated yes, off the he has what twenty one days uh, to get activated onto the active roster, and once he comes back, then I think that's going to make a huge difference to this defense if he can stay healthy. Um, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. Tommy, go ahead. All right, fair enough. So 
just to bring it back to Sean's original question, though, of what I thought about that final drive. Yes, Bradbury got cooked. I don't think he necessarily though needs to be benched because of how we performed the rest of the game. And up until that point, he 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 honestly didn't do a bad job. Uh, they let up what thirteen points on offense. Like up until that point, like they lost what twenty to seventeen. You needed you needed a field goal to go to overtime. Hey, the defense wasn't your issue. That your offense couldn't keep the ball and either score more than seven points in the second half or or um keep keep the ball for over a two minute drive. I've the defense shouldn't have been on the field to begin with. Is, is my initial thoughts on that on that final drive, that ninety two yard drive. Hey. Bradbury shouldn't have gotten burned because Hertz should have been able to lead his team down the field. So Brian Johnson should have been able to call a play call and Nick Sirianni to come up with a game plan to um, to keep the offense on the field. If you listen to Nick Sirianni's presser today, he talked about how they were hoping either A.J. Brown could either go for a jump ball and get the ball or get a pass interference call on that play. That was their whole idea with going deep on that play in the final, final drive, which shows me there is a lot of flawed thinking going on down there at the NovaCare complex today. They think that's our best option rather than, and let's try to burn some clock so our defense doesn't even have to go on the field. Because you know what the best defense is, Jack? You know what the best defense is? Offense. Yes, because your defense doesn't even have to defend the other team then. And running the ball takes up time, by the way, guys. It does. Oh, enough, hey, I know. Does. We are we are performing what is has been apparently rocket science to Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni this whole season in this very moment. But yes. So I think that's my where, rant. <laughs> I think where Sean's coming from, though, is yes, the defense played well all game. Bradbury wasn't targeted all game. He was more you know, he was doing a good job. He was, I mean, we don't even know if he was doing a job. I mean, Drew Locke only had 115 yards going into the last drive. Um, I, I don't know if that was play calling. I don't know if that was none of their wide receivers being open, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure. What I do know is that last drive, they were like, we're going to go after Bradbury. We're going to do it. And they did it. Drew Locke did it very effectively. This is true. And that's concerning at the fact that we have a pro ball cornerback on our team and Drew Locke carved him up. There was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was the easy, like I have never seen a team go down the field with so much ease. And, you know, there's a lot to blame. Bradbury certainly is to blame. He, he didn't he even admit it. He said, I played a shit game. He literally said that in an interview. He said, yeah, he I played did. a bad game. But also, I mean, we got to look at the defensive line. I mean, there's so much that goes on. So I do agree with you on that, that like we can't just blame Bradbury. But if we're going to bench Bradbury, this is the time of year to do it. You know, no, get him I on the bench for, for the Giants or the Cardinals game or something. Kind of kick him in the gear a little bit. Be like, I suck right now. I need to be better. If we're going to do that with any of the players, I mean, that's why I'm saying right now, why doesn't Sirianni try calling some offensive plays? And I'll get into that later. But like, we're going into a very rough patch of games against some really bad teams that now is the time to figure out what the fuck is going on with this team. 
get people back in line. So I agree with Sean. I think, oh, I don't know if Sean agrees. He asked the question. I don't know if he agrees that we need to bench bad Bradbury, but I think that if we are going to bench Bradbury right now is the perfect time to do so. Sean, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, well, I went on a full drunken rat, uh, rant right after that game where I basically was just like, get Bradbury <laughs> off this team. Um, but obviously cutting him, you know, the cap space would be a little messed up. So, uh, yeah, I think he needs to be benched. Uh, I was just looking at the stats, too, just to remind myself. So I, I accidentally looked at the Cowboys stats, and that one annoyed me, too. But in this game, he had six targets, eight receptions. And now, mind you, allowed six targets, six receptions allowed. 112 yards allowed, five first downs, one touchdown, and he had a 40.2 game grade. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's time to let some new blood get in there, um, especially with how this defense has been. You're playing against the Giants. You're playing against the Cardinals. Then you're playing against the Giants again. I think it's time to give him that chance. Now, obviously, you know, with, with the Slay thing, um, I think that is a good point. I think you do want to still have – you know him out there until Slay comes back, but maybe just do it more as a rotational. I think he kind of lost that starting role by these rookies coming out there and, and looking the way that they did as compared to that targeting that happened. I saw the video on Twitter and, and Facebook and everything that everybody was sharing around where they basically just put a circle around him and showed that every single play that was going down for those 92 yards, he was in and nothing was happening. He wasn't stopping anything. So um, for me, Bradbury, it also holds like a, a, a place in my heart in the sense of, like a bad place in my heart, not a good place because of that Super Bowl mistake, which I know, you know, people, it's still controversial, whatever. But ever since then, it's just like, I've always kept an eye on him where I'm like, okay, let's see if he can do something crazy this season. Let's see, because that should motivate you rather than have a game like this against the Seahawks, right? Where the rest of the defense, like you guys were saying, didn't look bad. I think the defense looked pretty good under Matt Patricia, which is a whole different conversation. Um, but yeah, Bradbury, I think he's just, I, I think he's done. I think he's been done for a little bit. I looked at, uh, not to get super off topic, but I looked at his stats against the Cowboys from November 6th when it was posted up. Eight targets, five uh, wrecks, 68 yards, five first uh, downs allowed, and one touchdown. So it kind of goes back to that that third down stuff where we're pretty terrible against the third down. I mean, if, if somebody's Brad allowing, <laughs> yeah. If you're allowing five first downs in those two games right there up by yourself, right? I mean, it's not a great look. I, I I think when Slay talks about his own stats, and then you know he obviously said that the whole team uh, kind of needs to play better, right? As a whole, they didn't do their job. But when he's talking about his stats, it makes you think about it. Imagine if Slay was out there for that last drive and Bradbury wasn't. If they were targeting Slay, I promise you something else would have. I think that it would would have went a little bit differently. That's well, why. One thing going off of that too, real quick, Sean, what do you think about Slay's little, uh, you know, actions on Twitter during the game? You know, your teammates out there not having the best game. And I thought, I personally thought that that was a little bit selfish. Um, maybe a little bit out of character for Darius Slay. And it, it just, look, if you're on social media as an athlete, I'm not going to tell you what to do or what not to do. But as a coach, I would tell you this. Don't bring any toxicity or drama to the team. Yeah. And I think that it definitely will stir up some shit. What are your thoughts on that real quick, Sean? Yeah, I mean, and this isn't just a slay, I guess. This is kind of to the entire, like, Eagles team that's been on Twitter, kind of like A.J. Brown, right? Like, yep. kind of what you said exactly. I think 
stay off Twitter. It's only going to make, especially in, in a fan base like this, it's only going to make them more frustrated because the fan base is already pretty frustrated. Myself included. Yeah. Everybody is right now. Right. So when you go out there and you basically just start shit talking to your own team, it's like the fans are going to get on you, you know? And, and, you know, to Slay's defense, he, I don't think he is the problem on defense. I don't, I really don't think he is, but you know, being a, being a problem when, he's not even on the field. That's going to be a bigger problem for us. You don't want the locker room cancer, if you will, right. To like come on and, and kind of shit talk their own team. And then even this one, this is one that I had bookmarked where he was retweeting the 49ers, you know, and, and I get it. People are commenting, Oh, well it's, you, you know, he's showing love to another, another player on defense. Right. Like, and I, I don't care about that stuff, but for me, it just feels like when your team has been struggling on defense, you don't do that. Like you don't retweet another player's highlight, you know, but that I, that's me. I'm into the old school style where you pretend that you hate each other after a game, they could go over hug, do whatever they're doing. I'm not going to, you know, complain about that. They could show love during the off season, still won't complain about that. But when the team has been looking kind of this, this terrible over these last three games, like I, I just think there's a time and a place. So yeah, I don't know. It makes me uh, laugh a little bit more about those uh, trash cans outside with their names on it. So I kind of feel good about that where I was defending them and being like, don't do that to the players. At this point, it's like, do it to them some more. I want them to go out there and and bring two huge dumpsters and just put them outside and I'll be cool with it. <laughs> what, put every what? single player's face on the dumpster, take time to orchestrate it. At least, at least Bradbury, he needs to be on there. Bradbury has <laughs> to be on there. I, I think I... I I don't know, man. I don't know. He's a repeat it's, offender now, right? It's depressing. Yeah, at this point, at this point, it's depressing. And I, like I said, I think if Slay was out there, I think it would have been a, a, a different game. I think the the that last drive wouldn't have happened the way that it did. Um, that's my opinion. I do think Slay is still pretty good. I think he's still got it. But I, I, I really genuinely do believe that Bradbury is cooked at this point. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. I, I hope he does, but I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, John, like you said on that last drive, especially with Bradbury, just one thing going on to that fucking 92-yard drive that I had nightmares about. Metcalf had only two receptions and three targets prior to that drive. So that's all we need to say about Bradbury in that last drive. Like you said, they were picking him apart. Pete Carroll was literally going at him with Drew Locke. Drew Locke had all the confidence in the world going at Bradbury. And DK ended up um, – I cashed his over yards. I'm sorry. But he, uh, I think he had like 78, something along that. And up until that point, he did not have nearly that. Uh, and the, the one play that really um, made me so mad was that drive was that that one catch that DK had that Bradbury had a chance to pick off. Like, I don't know how – DK caught that man. Oh, those that game was just so frustrating, and that drive was a nightmare. Yeah. Well, Sean, yeah. thank you so much for coming on tonight. Where can we find you? Yeah, we're over on the Countrywide Eagles podcast, uh, both on YouTube and on Facebook. Please feel free to to jump in, um, so you can catch the uh, the the drunken live rants right after the games. Um, <laughs> you know, that's our like after hours after game. Uh, show and then we do our normal one during the week typically on uh mondays or thursdays awesome Perfect. thank you so much man yeah thank you guys thank it was awesome love watching us. you guys i'll definitely watch the rest thank you guys mm -hmm. same thank to you, you guys as well thank y'all take care Perfect. Yeah, love them and what they do. Like he said, please make sure you follow them. And Dennis that hangs out with him, Mr. Hilarious with the blank and shit jersey. We were talking about that before the show. Uh, but pivoting a little bit to the Philadelphia Phillies, Tommy, 
Bryce Harper is yeah. making some calls, man. And I he love has he's wheeling and dealing. Imagine getting a call. Imagine being a player in a different country and the man himself, not, you know, the man himself. Time for Philly's talk with Bob Pogtani. Dinger's ditch. Not that man. Shout out to Nick's Pizza. But the other man, Bryce Harper, hits you up with, you know, a little. It wasn't a FaceTime call, Tom. Yeah. So they kind of crazy. I think I forget how they said, like, I know the Phillies contingent met with uh, Yamamoto. Oh, I know, like, Middleton went, um, Dombrowski, he and some other executives from the Phillies all went to meet with him, him this week. The, he met with the Yankees twice this week. He met with the Mets. I think there's some other teams he's trying to meet with. It sounds like, based um, off of reports today from John Heyman, that uh, they they don't expect that deal to be made with Yamamoto before the, before the new year. That he expects to probably they expect him to probably sign with someone probably during the first week, first two weeks of the year, probably somewhere in that window. Oh, what also then complicates things, things, um, is he he has this weird agreement with the Japanese league where like it there's only a certain window in which he can sign in, and if he doesn't sign with a team, he has to come back and play in Japan. So he kind of has to kind of like start getting the wheels rolling. Like this can't be like a holdout situation in which kind of makes it a little, little interesting too. Like it's like, if nobody offers him a good enough deal, he might just go back to Japan if he really wants to. But it, I think it's interesting thing because too, like going into last week, I was just hopeful that the Phillies would try to meet and sign him. Um, And he wasn't even like, if you looked at MLB network, MLB.com, ESPN, Bleacher Report, all of them didn't even have the Phillies as a top 10 destination. Now he's like, now the Phillies are all of a sudden a top five destination after meeting with him, having Bryce Harper talk to him, sending him some stuff to try to to convince him that Philadelphia is this great melting pot of a place to come. Um, and like, it's a great melting pot of cultures and food and, and people and all that. And so, all that being said, I'm kind of excited, kind of intrigued. Like the Phillies are all of a sudden becoming like this dark horse team that could all of a sudden realistically possibly sign them. Am I getting my hopes up? I think so. I think he he's ultimately going to go to the Yankees, but it's kind of cool to see the Phillies maybe like just come from out of nowhere and just sumo bomb and take him from the, from the big scary guys or quote-unquote big brothers up north. Yeah, one thing about the Phillies offseason is we've been, you know, relatively quiet um, since re-signing NOLA, but I was listening to a Phillies podcast, and it's like, when has Dave Dombrowski ever been quiet in his life, especially after losing, like, a World Series and a National League Championship Series in back-to-back years? Like, we're right there in the – you know, we're so close to – um, we've been there. We were two games away, but we're so close to winning it all. I think definitely like this big signing can come out of nowhere and we'll form like th- this will remind me a lot of the four aces, you know, with Wheeler, Nola, Yamamoto and Ranger. Ranger is probably like the most underrated pitcher in the 
MLB. This would be amazing. And I think um, another name um, the Phillies should try to pivot to is Blake Snell. I haven't heard a lot about him, about any meetings or anything with teams. And he just he's a two-time Cy Young winner. He would fit great in our rotation. So I definitely think one more pitcher can get us over the hump. Yeah, I mean, one of the things Yamamoto said was, I want to pitch on the big stage. And that's why I don't think he's going to go to the Yankees because for some reason, I just think the Yankees are, I think they're done. Like, not they're not that they're done. I mean, you know, they have money and they're not scared to spend it. But I think that they're not what you consider playing on the big stage now. I think what he means by the big stage, and this just may, this, this is just probably me, you know, being bias but the big stage is playing in citizens bank man i think he i think he really wants to play there i really do i mean you know i guarantee i mean because that quote came out after harper met with him and i feel like harper understands what playing on the big stage is in front of the the rowdy philadelphia fans in red october i mean there's nothing bigger than that every single team that's gone in the citizens bank they're saying that there's nothing bigger than that so i feel like if he wants that kind of like you know, Japan, like morale, where it's like the fans are just wild and they're loud and crazy. I think he's itching to play in Philadelphia, man. I think he's itching for it. I think we're going to see him. I, I do think we're going to see him in the red pinstripes, man. I, I just want that would that, if, if we got him, the Eagles season doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, at this point, if I've moved on. Him, I'm looking at spring training. Yeah. The, the Eagles become the little brother in Philadelphia to the Phillies. And He's, the Flyers. And the Flyers and the Sixers. All of a sudden, they go from the top big dog in the city all these years to number four. No, well, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I think this is a signing just as big as getting Bryce Harper. Maybe even oh. better. Oh, wow. absolutely. Because this is this is – this is so when we signed Bryce Harper, it was like, okay, we're getting our franchise player. This signing with Yoamato is like, we're gonna go win a fucking world series. Yeah, like that's what and, we're and and you have Fred McGriff, who's probably gonna be ready this year. And Fred Andrew McGriff. Painter comes back from he's not Elbester. playing this season. He's not playing this season. Yeah, Painter not all year. Oh, yeah. We have Micka Bell. Micka Bell is also very yeah, close to yes, being ready. I mean, this team is – we're entering the golden age of Philadelphia Phillies sports right now. Like, we're – now all we have to worry about is fucking Nick Castellanos, but we're not talking about that right now. If we get Yomato, I think that the Phillies are in excellent, excellent condition to win a World oh, Series. One more righty. One more righty bench bat platoon guy, though. How about Adam Duvall? He's out there. Come he on, Adam. Out there. He's out there. Come on, Adam. Cody Bellinger? Uh, <laughs> I think we, we would go. I would love Cody Bellinger in left field. Right. I'm just saying. He would, he but that, that's me being greedy. That's being greedy. Yeah. He would rake here. Oh, my God. But. Oh, he would absolutely rake. And you could forget about Marsh and all that platooning in left field yeah, bullshit. You have, a solid, you have a solid left fielder, and then you just have to worry about center field. Like, do you want Cody uh, Marsh? Who? Yeah. Cody, Cody, yeah, Cody Bellinger can play center too. Yeah, exactly. So, well, yeah. you guys brought it up. You guys said that you know the Phillies could be top dogs, but right now the top dogs kind of look like the Flyers, man. Yeah, the Flyers. They are fucking. They're they're shocking the hell out of me. Let me tell you that their yeah, goalkeeping has been them. outstanding, and I really think that that's a that's a reason why they're playing so good. 
you know, Hart. Um, I forget the backup's name, but I mean, they're both playing out of this world and it, they're keeping these teams to low scores. The offense is producing when they need to. The power play defense has been fantastic. Everything about this team is not what I was expecting going into the season. And it's because they have balls. Yep. I was, yes, have balls. I do. One quote all Tortorella year. Tortorella said it best. My fellow Bizani <laughs> said it best. Yeah, yeah I mean – this shocking the hell out of us as as a Flyers fan, um, and my our one buddy Casey's dad was saying that this team has the heart that he's never seen before. They're not the greatest team, but they god damn they got some heart, and that's what we need that fire in their belly to to win these games. I mean, I wish the Eagles could could, get, could adopt some of that because we need that in our stomach right now. But yeah, the Flyers the locker room. Yeah, the Flyers are looking really good this year, and I'm surprised because we thought that, you know, this is going to be a three-year rebuild. But, I mean, they're shocking the hell out of us. So I'm surprised to see to – see, I'm excited to see what happens with this team this year. It's amazing when you put competent management in charge. Like, we, like what, was, what was the mantra the last two seasons? Sell the team, sell the team, sell the team. Because – you had an incompetent president. You had an incompetent GM. You had incompetent marketing people. Magically, all of a sudden, all three of those people exit the organization. Chuck Fletcher, I forget the woman's name, was in charge of like their their uh, team operations and stuff. And then the president and that that dude, I forget his name too at this point. But they're nobodies. They don't matter because at this point. He, uh, uh, Jonesy and Briere are making this team look fabulous. It's you have Owen Tippett last night. Last you before last last two seasons, I wouldn't have saw a player that had any balls to go and try to make a steal at the blue line and in overtime to go and win it. He took the he took the game on his stick, stole it, rushed the net, and scored. Tell me another time that they would have done that in the last two years. They wouldn't have. Look, magically, they have competency back in management. Magically, this team works again. It's amazing. Go ahead, Matt. I see you. Well, no. What I'm saying right now is I think a lot of it is because they're playing for absolutely nothing. Going into this exactly. season, the entire city was like, fuck the Flyers. <laughs> like, they're bad. Like, you know, like Jack said, three-year rebuild. Like, no one has any expectations from this team. So they're just going out and playing hockey. You know, they got this big old sack of balls, and they're just going out there and just like, you know, we're going to go to the blue line. We're going to try stealing and winning this game because why the fuck not? If we lose, we lose. It's not like it's not like there's anyone in this fucking city that was expecting them to be 18 and 10-1 at this point in the season. Everyone's like, oh, like, you know, at the beginning of the season, oh, they started out kind of hot. They're 6-0 and or whatever when they started. And we were like, oh, it's six, it's six games in the season. Wait, wait until 30, 40 games. They're going to drop off the face of the earth. But they keep coming back, and it's because they have that big old sack of balls, I'm telling you. That's, that's, that is the reason that they're playing that good. The blue line uh, with no blue balls. This team, like, too, <laughs> like, from an outside opinion, like just somebody – I turned on the game last night um, right before Owen Tippett scored the goal, just like as an amateur fan – and it was electric. And I saw a comment today on Instagram. I screenshotted. I thought it was pretty cool. Somebody said Philadelphia, a hockey town. And, like, 
Here's a good <laughs> question for you guys, too, that I wondered to myself. When, you know, all four Philly sports are humming, and I should really say five because we include the union in there, too. But, you know, when all the Philly sports are humming, if you had to rank them, I mean, what would you rank them? Like, is passion, you know, as the seats are filled? I think that I would say Eagles won. When the Flyers are really, really good, tickets are cheap. I would say Flyers, too. Tom's going to probably punch me. Fly, Phillies are three for me. And then I would have to say uh, four. I think everybody would agree the Sixers are four. Well, you forgot the union, Dalt. We're the union. You just said we were five, five teams. Always, uh, <laughs> union always I just didn't want to five. say to be the dickhead. Thanks, Matt. No. Now they got me on quote saying union sucks. What's up, Jack? About the Eagles. Uh, six, I guess. Yeah, so Eagles. Phillies. Uh, Wings. Wings are kind of hot. They're always wings. Hot. Wait, the, the wings are hell? above the Sixers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Really yes. Right I mean, even no. in my five. The wings have been a consistent great program for Philadelphia. You're telling me the city of Philadelphia is getting wild for the wings. I actually have. I've been to, I've been to like at least ten wins games. I used to play lacrosse. And, and, and how old? And how often? So wait, wait, wait. Let us give us ranking one to fucking eight because you're going to include every fucking team that doesn't even exist yet. But the Overwatch esports team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eagles. Phillies. Yes. Win, Sixers. No. Union. And then uh, Flyers. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and wow. Expansion esports team tied with the Flyers because I, I really can't watch both of them. What's up, Tom? Let me get mine because I think you both just committed an abomination against all of Philadelphia. So if we're saying all teams are looking. They're humming. Cal. They're humming, baby. They're humming. They're championship caliber looking. This is what I got to say. It's number one, Eagles. Well, Phillies. Then number two, Phillies. Because you know what? There's nothing like a red October. This city's a baseball town. Um, and having to go into a playoff game for all of the teams in this city, it's definitely Eagles number one, Phillies number two. You've went Ooh. to a union game? You guys about to say what's a union game? I have gone to a union game. The playoffs? The playoffs? Oh. Not the playoffs. You I will. Oh, you slide. Uh, uh, you slide. Uh, slide. Okay. Liar. Liar. Okay. So, but even just watching it and just knowing the hype around the city, hey, how often are you seeing on every like Philly sport Barst let, let's let's <laughs> use Barstool Philly as our barometer. What's the last time you saw a Philadelphia Union post outside of that one championship game two years ago? Seriously. It was a post with Jason Kelsey fucking smacking the drum earlier this year. That's about it. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Hey, I don't know. Why I did they post that? Because it was an Eagles play. Nobody goes to Union games. Yeah. Or the, so the number's a lot smaller. It's Eagles, I agree. Phillies. I feel like this city, everyone gets hyped for the Sixers. It's really Delco that gets super hyped for the Flyers. There's one yeah. like if you go to a Flyers playoff game, they it's play not a bunch of people awesome. from it's not a bunch of people from Philly. It's a bunch of people really from Delco and South Jersey. Yeah. Fucking speak. That's why I, I have to put the Flyers at four, because it's not really Philly people, it's Delco and South Jersey. 
the backbone of the Philadelphia Eagles fan base is what it is. Then I'll give you the wings at six. I'll, I'll peace Jack and give the wings at six. But, but again, you said wings the last time the wings gonna sell out. The wings sell out right behind the net, right behind both benches. And then the corners aren't even filled with people in the lower bowl. They can't even sell out the lower bowl, Jack. I'm sorry. If the wings were in the playoffs, Jack, just, just you know, entertain this idea. If the wings were in the playoffs, do you think Broad Street's going to be lined with banners? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No way. Anyway, I just said they had a parade for them, but it was like a three-block parade the last time they won a championship. <laughs> They had like eight or ten, eight or nine championships. Okay. But in, in all reality, and then we can move on. In Philly, I mean, lacrosse is not a big sport in Philly. It's like if you have a big sport anywhere. It is in Canada, in Maryland, in Pennsylvania, like York. <laughs> like it's okay. Hold on, in Pennsylvania. Anyway, let's talk about the Sixers, baby. The Sixers are looking good. Joel Embiid is. Carrying these Sixers. Let's let's talk about the Sixers, please. Guess he was wrong. <laughs> Decker, you've been getting rich on this team, right, my man? Yes, sir. Um, Embiid had uh, I had his uh, points and assists tonight. It was over thirty-eight and a half. He had fifty-one points himself, guys. Against the number one defense, who in the NBA, the number one seed in the West. Guys, the Sixers are must-watch TV right now because of this man right here, and I believe he without a doubt, as of right now, deserves the back-to-back MVP. You gave the back-to-back to to Giannis. You gave the back-to-back to to Jokic. Did Curry get it too? Um, But uh, it's time, man. Embiid is balling the fuck out this year. And I want to go into the trade deadline and use um, some of our assets and get us a wing and go for it this season, man. The way Embiid is playing with Nick Nurse, he's breaking Wilt Chamberlain records. He said um, most consecutive games as a sixer, what was it, with 30 and 10 or 35 and 10? And he's just unbelievable. The Sixers team is blowing out. Um, they're blowing out teams left and right. Yeah, to be fair, it's shitty teams. But with Doc Rivers and Brett Brown, when have we ever blown out the shitty teams? We always let them linger around, and it came back to bite us in the butt, and we would like lose like a back-to-back against the Pistons if we play them twice. This team, they're playing everybody seriously, and they're blowing everybody the fuck out. And Embiid, most of the time, plays three quarters, and he still has like 35 and 10 because he's that dominant. So I, I, everybody just needs to watch Embiid right now. He's the MVP of the league. You made an excellent point saying when when did we ever do this with Doc? Yeah. And I really can't think of a time that we had a team good enough to be able to, like, well, I mean, we had the same players for the yeah. most part. But Doc clearly was not a good coach. Nick Nurse has come in here and allows it allows this team to play better than the opponent that we're playing. When we played with Doc, we played as well as the opponent we were playing. We would play the Pistons, and we would play as well as the Pistons. We never played better than the Pistons. We never played better than the Wizards. What Nick Nurse is doing, I think, is just like go out there, earn that fourth quarter off. Like let's just blow the shit out of this out of this team, and you guys can have your fourth quarter off. And I think this is going to be amazing for Embiid in the playoffs. If yep. he can stay healthy and just keep playing three quarters a game, he is going to be ready 
for that playoff action. And hopefully, you know, this run's going to keep going and he can keep taking that fourth quarter off. Didn't get to watch the game tonight. I'm pretty sure he probably played the fourth quarter. It was a pretty close game against he a did. really good Timberwolves team. They're 20 and five at this point, or now they're 20 and six. Um, so I think people saying, oh, Embiid's stacking up his stats against really bad teams. I just think that's a false statement. This game proved it. Um, you know, like you said, one of the best defenses in the league, and he's going out there scoring 51 points. Number one. It was with ease. So I got a question, and this is just a question. So what is the, you know, barometer that we think Nick Nurse is better than Doc Rivers? Let me talk because Doc Rivers has got us to the playoffs, okay? But he has got us past the second round. So is that the judgment? Okay, if we get past the second round with Nick Nurse, that he's better a better coach than Doc Rivers? Just a question. Yes. I think how I look at it right now is the team is happy right now. Like they like want to play with each other. They want to go out there and destroy teams. They're like hearing, you know, Pat Beverly on his podcast. He's just like, this city is fucking awesome. Like the fans are fantastic. I love this team. I love the coach. I love everything. Nothing like that was happening when doc was on the team. It was drama. It was, you know, ah, we know we lost to the wizards by 10 points and you know, we just got to be better. That has not happened with Nick Nurse. When they lose, they lose to really good teams. Um, I mean, they lost to the Bulls the other night, but it was a close game. And, like, it's not like they're losing games that they should be winning. That's what's different about this team compared to last year's team and the year before is we're winning the games that we're supposed to win. And I think that's going to go a very long way this season. Um, but I think, you know, if we're going to say Nick Nurse is a better coach right now, we're feeling like he's a better coach because they're doing so well. If we get past the second round, Nick Nurse is a better coach than Doc was. Yep. The one word I'll use going off of that, I think Matt pretty much said everything I wanted to say, but confidence, that was the word I was going to use. Like, I feel like this team has more confidence, not only, like, in themselves, but, like, in their ability. And I think with Doc Rivers, we always knew in the back of our mind, you know, what we were capable of because Doc Rivers, because he held us back. But Nick Nurse has that championship experience, and it's not like Doc Rivers didn't. It's just he has it in a more recent NBA. You know, um, it's you know, it's not hard to see that the NBA has changed a lot since you know 2008 or whenever he won, uh, compared to 2018-2019. So I really just love the confidence that this team carries about themselves, and it's infectious. It really is. So. Yeah, I think Kelly Oubre's quote was, this is a team of dogs. This is the place to be a dog. And I was like, fuck yeah, Kelly. It is the place to be a dog, man. <laughs> you know where, you know, hungry dogs run faster, right? Let's talk about no play Slay and his – we talked about it briefly um, when Sean was on about his, his tweet. Not a fan. I'll go first. I mean, I'm not afraid to take this one hands on. This is just – Childish behavior, in my opinion. Tweeting about your teammate. You're, you're basically subtweeting your teammate, right? Like, this is an indirect, you know, shot at James Bradbury. Um, in my opinion, I think it's childish. I just wanted to upset it. Um, I do think Slade's a great player. He makes a point. If he's on the field, he's a difference maker. Especially, I think, when him and Bradbury are on the field, it's a lot different. Like, 
when you put these guys alone, it's tougher than when you put them together. I think everybody should understand that. So personally, I wouldn't have said it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, does it help the team? No, it just brings more drama. That's the last thing that we need right now. AJ Brown going at fans. Same thing to you, my man. Like why, you know, right before you hit send that it's going to come back at you. So it's just a dopamine rush that you get a second for it or your ego. You got to put that aside because the brutal truth is, I think part of the reason why athletes get paid millions of dollars a year, at least in my opinion, is to be able to deal with shit like this. I'm not saying every fan is an asshole. I'm just saying that they're out there. And as an athlete, part of the reason why you get paid the money you do is to be a professional. So be a professional. Hey, Dolph, the listeners out there that don't, that's not sure what happened, could you kind of go over the tweet? Yeah, um, here, I'll pull up the tweet for you guys. It basically said something like, though, out of the five plays, I think that he basically said, I wouldn't have had, you know, if I was on the field, it would be a lot different here. I'll find the tweet, um, but if anybody else wants to talk about it, yeah. we'll find it real quick. I'm a big advocate that I think overall, overall – Professional athletes should not be involved in social media during the season because you get paid millions of dollars to perform on the field, not to be behind a keyboard and tweet at other people. I think it's bullshit. Like you're not, you're, we're not in high school. Come on now. Like focus on playing the game where it matters, where you're making the money. And after the season's over, worry about tweeting. Like, I think it's complete bullshit. I don't support. And as we've seen, with John Morant, perfect example. Social media gets these uh, players in trouble. And it's just something that should not be even a thing at all because it just causes issues no matter what. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jackson. Uh, I think uh, what needs to be – Brandon Graham, I think, says it a lot when stuff kind of leaks – of stuff needs to just stay in house. And quite honestly, I think this is just one of those things that needed to stay in house. And he, he leaked it to the world that, uh, he ain't, he ain't happy Dutch. Your camera cannot, uh, go ahead. I'll send a screenshot of in the group chat. We'll just read it out for the people that are on Spotify. I may not have heard of this tweet. So long story short, um, slays going at it with a fan on Twitter, which is never a good thing. And the fan basically was saying, you aren't a difference maker, blah, blah, blah. And his tweet said, I got, he said, make sure you mention a dude that was all pro and pro ball. He said, I got five of those and probably got more INT yards than you receiving. So it's just during the game, like, not about it. It looks like I took it out of context from when I saw it. So I apologize for that. I guess I saw a different tweet, but I'm looking at his Twitter right now. And it's just tweet after tweet after tweet. And it's like, some of them are positive, but I don't know. I just think that the whole team should be off social media. And you look at the likes on these guys, I'm just going to say you don't want to look at their Twitter likes. Um, I think that they're frustrated with the fans. Long story short, they're really frustrated. But taking it out on the fans, once again, is not the answer. Just be a professional. And I know I'm one to talk like I'm a fan, but... Just don't tweet. That's what you get paid millions of dollars to do. So, but all, 
Also, a fan shells out what is probably out of their paycheck at a minimum for one game, a quarter of a paycheck, if not, not half even their close. paycheck or more. <laughs> for some people, and, it's a whole paycheck. Like, like I'm sorry. No, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it like, looks like the, everybody's beef too with this whole thing, getting some context on it is like he was going like it wasn't one tweet. It looks like it was like multiple tweets and it would be like yeah. to some guy in Delta. it's like a random i don't think this guy is yeah like it was just random people like it wasn't like yeah, a john like marks or ike reese that he's tweeting at or a Derek gun he was he, he was going at like just random like delco philly no this is eric people. weems senior nfl player pro baller all pro um so him well, that one, there were other ones. It on Twitter, and he's basically calling out Slay, saying Slay ain't a difference maker anymore. So that's the so, whole thing. So, you know, I'm concerned. Christmas is coming up. I'm not sure if I got enough people presents, but I'm also really concerned about these Eagles. These Eagles, past three weeks, it has been stressful to be a fan and frustrating. Let's take away week 15. This, I mean... We said last week that these next four games are must-win games. We knew that Seahawks wasn't going to be an easy game. Um, I think Sean's not on because he's still in the hospital uh, with his heart rate because he said he wasn't going to be on because of the game. <laughs> but there, it just <laughs> – dude, uh, Countrywide said something about Sidney Brown. I'm sorry, Ash is a big Sidney Brown fan. He cannot tackle. He missed – Two, three tackles that were pretty, you know, important, and they just bounced right off. So we need to figure something out because this this is not the Eagles we we saw the first ten weeks. Something needs to change. I don't know if it's Brian Johnson getting taken away and put a different offense coordinator or something. We tried Matt Patricia as defense coordinator; it kind of worked, but we need to tackle just the basics. Go back to the basics. Tackle. Complete passes, get positive yards, things like that. That's all I gotta say. They should we should have never lost twenty to seventeen to the Seahawks. So fucking Drew Luck. Like what the fuck are we what are we doing? What the fuck are we doing? Drew Luck thinks he's fucking Superman now because he just beat the Eagles. Like this is not okay. Yeah, I think what we're finally seeing is I think we really the rest of the NFL did figure out our offense. We're running a Chip Kelly offense. I hate to say that, but we are. We're we're running the bubble screen to the left, bubble screen to the right, same play. We'll flip it maybe. So maybe two plays in their playbook. We're running deep routes on everything. And there's your third play. And then you have a toss to the right and a run up the middle. Those are your two run plays and a quarterback draw. You have five plays really in this playbook uh, outside of the tush push. So, like, I don't, I like, I totally get why they only scored 17 because a really good college defense could probably figure out what the Eagles are doing. And it's not that hard to figure out. Uh, we saw, I know Nick Sirianni got frustrated during his presser today when people were like, Do you think the offense is predictable? And he's like, No. I'm sorry that uh, Christian McCaffrey has a high football IQ and can predict it on Monday Night Football in the Manning cast. But, like, I was calling 
what they were going to run the whole game. Like, I, I know I don't have a high football IQ. Like, I, I, I'm i a big baseball guy. Like, I, I'm kind of like a casual when it comes to what – like, I love the birds, don't get me wrong, but, like, I couldn't tell you the X's and O's and really break it down. But I could call their plays. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a screen pass. Oh, it's going to be a quarterback draw. Oh, I bet you they're going to do this. And sure enough, it would happen, and they get, like, two or three yards or they get stuffed. They have talented guys who that's what's – can help them at times like AJ Brown, Devontae Smith are super talented that their skill alone can break away from guys. But a lot of these teams are starting to cheat because they have like six plays. That's it. It, I can figure it out. I'm these guys are going to pay millions to scout defenses and scout offenses. I'm sure shit can figure it out. Uh, so I think something's got to change with the play calling. Hertz has his issues this year, too. Turning the ball over. I, well, that was a dumbass bomb throw he threw at the end of that game. I mean, that was that was a Carson Wentz-like decision-making right there. So, long story short, the offense is what this deep issue is. The defense is the defense. The defense hasn't played great these last three games by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think the defense is to blame. You gave up 13 points up until the last two minutes of the game. And then the last 28 seconds is when they finally gave up that 20th point. The defense was not the issue this game. The defense figured out its shit for the most part and were gassed by the end of the game. Shouldn't have even been on the field if you have a half-competent offensive coordinator and a half-competent quarterback who's not making dumbass decisions throwing into triple effing coverage on that last drive and isn't going for a hero ball like Carson Wentz was back in 2020. He, 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 he's regressed. Brian Johnson has never progressed. And honestly, I think the season's done if we're going to have to rely on them. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts does not look good. Um, you're talking a lot about that last interception, but think four minutes into the four or to mm-hmm. go in the fourth quarter. That's and we're up, by four po- we're up by four points at this point. And he's like, yeah, first down, we're on the 40-yard line. Let's f- throw a fucking bomb to Kez Watkins. Like, exactly. Kez Watkins. Why are I you putting Kez Watkins? In the first I, I trust Quez Watkins as much as I trust a fart after having weight, w- three gallons of ice cream. <laughs> That's how much I trust Quez Watkins. Yeah, so, like, I'm – Yes, I love taking shots downfield. It's great. But at that point in the game, the offense isn't doing anything. Why do that then? Why not? You have four minutes, run the ball. It's first down. You don't need to take a 50-yard shot to try and put this team away. What you need to do is take time off the clock. And that that, that the – it's not even the two interceptions. Yes, those are bad. His turnovers this year have been a disgrace. He has 17 this year, 12 interceptions. He didn't fumble this game, which is fantastic. Good for him. He ran the ball 13 fucking times. I have no idea why we were doing that. The motherfucker was sick, dude. Like I like it the team is so out of sync right now with everything and it's really pissing me off, but like you run the ball so well in the first half. 
and then they come out after the second half, after halftime, and then they throw the ball and they don't run the ball anymore. Like it, it was so different, and I just, it, it doesn't make much sense. He's missing wide open wide receivers. He's, it's just these last three games mean so much to this team, not even just because for the fans, so we don't burn the city down, but for this team itself to regain some confidence going into the playoffs, these next three games are the most important games of the season. I don't even care about seeding. I care about this team figuring it out and just going into the playoffs with some sort of hope, you know, just like if we play like that in the playoffs, we're getting smoked. Yeah. The vibes are off. I mean, that's that was my main note underlined 10 times on this. Like, it doesn't feel like last year. It doesn't feel fun. Um, and, you know, you can see on Jalen Hurts' face during these games, too. It's not, you know, what it was last year when it's we're not supposed to be there. We have nothing to lose. Now there's these expectations. There's responsibility. And I think you almost see it now in Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown where it's like, they're just focused on getting to the end point. They're just focused on the Super Bowl. We need to take it week by week. And we're so focused on that. And that's probably responsible on people like me, the fans. You know what I mean? But, like, these guys mentally are so far ahead that they're not in the moment. I think that the whole team is so focused on we're going to be in the Super Bowl. How do we win the Super Bowl? And like Jack said, like, I think he said it last week multiple times, like, you got to get there first. And it's like, I thought last week when he was saying that, I was like, okay, he's right. But like, well, when now it's even more evident. Like, you got to get there. And now you're probably not going to have the first seed in the NFC. Ooh, you shot yourself in the foot bad. Yeah. One last thing, and then we can move on from this. Like Dake said, it's a matter of leadership. We have veterans on this team we have jason kelsey who this could be his last fucking season he needs to take the reins and kick, put some fire on their ass because we can't continue down this road the way we're going right now if we want to succeed and make it to the, the super bowl or the nfc championship like we need to figure something out and it all starts inside the locker room because this is bullshit we're a great fucking team we're just not working together as a well-oiled machine and maybe it's the missing of shane Steichen. i don't fucking know but we need to figure something out. I I'm 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 really close to press that panic button because we got the Giants, who you know, Devito, Devito, he could be playing well out of his mind. Yeah, he's Cardinals, telling me all Murray. this week. So it's just a matter of leadership. Where that's where it all begins. All a matter of leadership. The captains on the team taking them under their wing, and be like, "Yo, boys, we need to figure this this the fuck out because this is not okay." That's all I gotta say. Time for everybody's favorite part of the show, 302 Trivia, with your host, Jack Dalton, the mayor of Delaware. And just like that, I have a smile on my face. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Because we all probably got it right because I had it correct here, dumbass. Steve Harvey, all right. So, the the week. Thank you to TickPick for that sponsorship. Tonight's question of the night we have is, where did the Eagles first call home? for the, their NFL football career. Where was it first played at? Where was the first game at? A, the vet, B, the link, or C, the Baker Bowl? You sure it's uh, not the Brown Bowl? If you know, again, you know. where did the Eagles first call home? A, the vet, B, the link, C, the Brown Baker Bowl. 
We'll give you the answer. The and I, I got the trivia score for you right here, too. I'm bringing it up on the screen. There you go. <laughs> All right. So we got the fans with four. We got Matt. Five. With, oh, fuck. With five. That is six. Matt, oh, Matt with six. Tommy with nine. Dalton with six. Josh with three. Ash with five. Or I'm sorry. Seven. Uh, seven. And Dude, then Sean idiot. with six. And then I guess Decker, he has zero. Yeah. Math. Math. You ain't first <laughs> We'll put you on the board next season, Decker. You, you yes. can just play for practice this season. Yes. Yeah. I have to actually submit my answer. Well, well Decker's wrong again. Just going to say that. Uh, <laughs> At least I'm all right. Kidding. I don't cheat. <laughs> moving on up. Moving on up. <laughs> Wait, you're wrong, Decker? <laughs> Wait, Decker, how did you get this wrong? I literally broke it down when we were proving Jack wrong. I just want to get everyone wrong now. That's okay. Oh, okay, you know what enough. you can't get wrong this weekend, Decker? Uh-oh, what can I get wrong? Your sports fucking bets. I Real hope quick. So. Give All us right. a breakdown on you turning 100 dollars into not 800 not 700 not a thousand you said fuck that doll i'm going with the big boy shit for christmas you're gonna buy grammy a fucking lambo yeah, Mima. all right Mima. i'm i'm gonna two get you grand, Decker? two grand two grand i'm feeling a little crazy so i was making you know my normal like 100 turning into 700 then i just realized dude it's fucking boston scott week Boston yes, Scott, sir. I need the stats of how many – has he literally scored an, a touchdown in every single game of his career against the Giants? It I might be, so. but he's scored in what, like the last six games? He's the, – because the thing is the spread's 10.5. We're going to jump. I, I mean, this Eagles team is pissed off. We have to fucking beat them. And then Boston Scott's going to come in in the second half and score a little bullshit touchdown because he's the Giants killer. Um, next one's James Cook. He's absolutely dominating. Just, I think he, I saw a stat he hit like his over receiving yards. Uh, I don't even know how many the past couple games, but ever since Joe Brady taken, has taken over, James Cook shit on the Cowboys last week. He fucking dominated. He had like 150 yards rushing, but receiving yards. What's up? All but one game has Boston Scott scored against the Giants. Holy shit. So like yeah, it I, was, you have to take it. It's, yeah, it, it, you you just have to take it. And I'm not gonna lie, I might sprinkle two plus touchdowns because he scored two a couple times against the Giants. He fucking kills them every time. We we need a meme like Boston Scott. Every time he sees the fucking Giants, dude, he's gonna score. All right, next one, CMC, seventy plus yards. That game's gonna be so good on Christmas. Uh, Ravens Niners, come on, it's McCaffrey. He's just fucking dominant. Um, and then the Bengals play um, the Steelers, um, just taking plus six and a half. The Steelers suck. Um, oh, question. Who's better right now, the Steelers offense or Eagles offense? I'm Steelers. still going. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> that, that's it. That's how you know it shit hit the fan. But it, it, they fired Matt Canada. So uh, maybe and their offense still didn't turn around. So maybe firing Brian Johnson this season won't help. But uh, Falcons alternate spread plus seven and a half. They play the um, they play the Colts at home, and then Titans alternate spread plus seven and a half. Uh, they play the 
bum-ass Seahawks and Geno's back. So, all right. Um, let's buy some Christmas presents with this 2200. Thank you guys. One, one, one take I have from your, from your Decker takes. Um, I am not confident with the Boston Scott touchdown. And the reason I say that is because we have barely seen him this year. Uh, I know, but every year he he just comes crawling out just for the two games. That's the best case scenario, Matt. It's very That's the best true. case scenario. So they've just been saving Boston Scott's yeah. skills. Just for yeah. No, get the Giants, Midget. Do it. Do it. This, this, is what, this is what's going to turn the season around when Boston Scott it's, has the first five touchdown Eagles game in history. It's like that the, the uh, you know, Schmeagel and Lord of the Rings where they don't yeah. feed him for 15 no. weeks and they give the Giants. Starving. Take it. Take it. Starving. Dude, he has to have some like contract with Jeffrey Laurie and Howie. Every time you score, just because we hate the Giants and our rivalry and everything, every time you score against the Giants, you get an extra seven hundred fifty k bonus. I would, I would be down for that. So yeah. we kind of hit on it, and we can talk about it briefly what went wrong with this defense and Matt Patricia, especially Bradbury. Who wants to take it? I will play devil's advocate real quick. And the one thing I will say, you can't judge a man off of one game in all fairness to Matt Patricia. And I think before the end of the game and the whole Bradbury collapse, it wasn't so bad. Like when you think about any team in the NFL to be able to hold them to that low amount of, like they were doing their job pretty well um, until the collapse. So I would say give Matt Patricia a little bit more time because I think I, I at least personally have already seen enough from Sean Desai. And unfortunately, I think it's way too late in the season to make a coaching change that drastic. So I feel like you have no other choice but to promote Matt Patricia to defensive coordinator. I don't know. That's just my thought. Sirianni doesn't think so. Apparently there's a tweet saying that Desai is back calling the plays. Oh my god! Jesus That's what Christ. I saw. I don't know. I I don't know how you know how legit that tweet is, but I saw it, and it was by a uh, it was by a uh, a fish. I don't know what you call it on Twitter, but a blue checkmark person. Uh, don't yep. believe it. You can pay verified. Verified. I think we might have it, or we definitely did. Believe <laughs> <laughs> everything that you read on the three hundred two birds Twitter account is the moral of the story. But no, I, I mean where. This defense for three quarters played a really good game. They did what they needed to do. They kept this offense in the game. The offense shat the bed. That's where I think it went wrong. Um, I don't think you can blame the defense for the loss. Yes, they gave up a really shitty fucking last drive. But that's not that's not the reason we lost the game. And we're going we're gonna to go into it, I think. We're really going to – hopefully we dive into the offense a little bit more. But – you know, this defense is not to be blamed for this game as much as we want to blame Bradbury. I mean, yeah, he played terribly and we lost because of that drive. But if Jason Kelsey doesn't get that offsides penalty, we're scoring a touchdown that drive. That touchdown right there ties us up and we're, you know, we're going to overtime at 2020. And, you know, there's two other intercept. There's another interception that just shouldn't have been an interception. And, you know, it's as much as we want to blame the defense for losing that game, the defense played their best game in the last four or five weeks. So I can't blame the defense that much. 
but I think where we went wrong was the offense not doing jack shit. Uh, I'm going to be honest here. I think Sean Desai was an unfortunate victim of an impatient coaching staff and an impatient fan base. I don't think Sean Desai's actually coached that bad. I think he's been very unfortunate with the injuries he's had to face and the lack thereof of spectacular linebackers like we had last year. I, well, I think now they're spectacular, but like last year, they were a lot better than the crew we had. It's just a revolving door. The linebackers are all really practice squad guys, let's be honest, this year. Here, he's had to figure out a slot corner situation that hasn't really worked with any personnel-wise. Is but somehow he's beat top offenses. He he shut down the Dolphins offense this year. He shut down Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. He shut down and when it mattered most the Bills in the second half after they demolished him in the first half. So that all that being said, I think he was an unfortunate victim. I think the bigger issue still is the offense, but Matt, but. Go, going back to to this past game, Brad, like we all want to call Bradbury trash. Say Bradbury says Bradbury that. Bradbury only had gave up two, like he gave up two receptions before that drive. For I want to say like twenty yards, so he really wasn't a big issue all game. He because ninety two of the yards that he gave up came on that final drive. So it's like, it's like, is the defense really an issue? I'm going to say, no, they played three. I'm going to say three bad games because they played bad against Buffalo, bad against uh, the 49ers and bad against Dallas. I don't think they played bad in this game. I think you're gassed at the end because your offense just sucked. Point blank and simple. Your offense sucked. It is demoralizing when your offense goes out there and puts up that kind of a performance. I mean, I think that that's a really good point, too. And it almost takes away uh, from any sort of motivation. Um, I guess a silver lining, real quick for everybody. Uh, Ashley brought this up right away on her Instagram. Picture perfect. Hertz and Sirianni have never missed the playoffs as a QB and head coach uh, combo, I guess, technically starting. Um, they clinched the spot this Sunday. How are you guys feeling about this combo? I mean, I really like it. I think that some people may be turned off by it. I will not lie. There are times that I'm turned off by Nick Sirianni's antics, but it's almost like they balance each other out, in my opinion. I don't know. Like, I've even seen like Jalen Hurts in a certain way be like, I've had to tell coach before, like, hey, calm down. So, I think Jalen Hurts' calmness almost uh, – I like that I have a coach that's over the top to almost bring out that next level in Jalen Hurts because sometimes the whole Instagram quotes, people joke Edgar Allen Hurts, um, <laughs> it, it gets kind of old, you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, like you're a football player. Just fucking scream F-bombs and, you know, go smash your head against a wall. And, you know, I'm kidding obviously, but I'd like to see a little bit more fire out of him and I think Nick Sirianni makes up for that. How do you guys feel about this combo? Long time to stay in Philadelphia because Tom raises a good point. It's a tough market to play for for a long time, especially in this generation with social media. 
I think I like the combo. I like how, you know, Jalen Hurts is I, – I would like to think he's level-headed. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but at least in his press conferences, you know, he's coming out here with these beautiful quotes that bring a tear to everyone's eye. And the Eagles <laughs> are playing well. But, like, you also have Sirianni, like, embracing Philadelphia. He's embracing it for their flaws. He's just like, yeah, screw you, Chiefs fans. Like, you hear me now? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah, he did that in the tunnel. He should have done that straight to their face. But, again, I think it's I think it's good. And I think we're looking at it now because they're playing poorly, and it's been three poor games back-to-back. People are like, is Sirianni the coach for Philadelphia? I, I I don't think that's fair because, like you said, they've made the playoffs three straight years. They have, I think Sirianni has the best record out of any Eagles coach to start a three-season career in Philadelphia. So, like, I can't start being mad at Sirianni because we've played three bad games, you know? It's now, if it was like, okay, we made the Super Bowl and then this season we lost six games. Um I think that's when we could be like, Sirianni, what the hell's going on? But, I mean, it's been three bad games, and now there are conversations out there. Is Sirianni meant to be a Philadelphia Eagles head coach? So I, I just I, – I think going – that could be a little far. Um, but I like them. I like – I think they're – I think they balance each other out. My favorite duo is the Shane Steichen and Jalen Hurts duo. They balance each other mm. out. We, I'm fine with Sirianni as head coach and everything, but we need a legit offensive coach next to him. And Frank Reich is available. He is. That's the problem with being a successful team in this league, though. And somebody else said this before. Uh, you know, the that's the you know the double edged sword of success is your offensive coordinators are going to get snatched up. So it's like, how long is it going to be? Like almost like. I almost kind of want Nick Sirianni to take the helm because like maybe that is the success of some of these long-term teams. Like you see with the chiefs and the Patriots is like, I don't know, because you're going to have to keep swapping out like Eric, the enemy. He was with the chiefs for a long time. Now he's gone. He's in Washington. He's finding success with their QBs. It's almost like, I don't know. Didn't we see, didn't we? Tr- didn't Nick Sirianni start calling offensive the offensive plays like when he first His was first- head coach? Yeah, yeah, it didn't work out. It didn't it go did well. Not work out exactly. No. So I don't think that that's the case. I I just think it's surprised to me because Brian Johnson has been with Jalen Hurts for the majority of his career, and the fact that we can't get our offense running on you know full full seam ahead, kind of like what the fuck? Like we thought. Going into the season, I mean, we before preseason, we're like, uh, Brian Johnson would be a perfect fit for Jalen Harris. He's been with him for, you know, his whole career. And then he hasn't really, you know, did that this season at all. But Brian Johnson wasn't an offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback's coach. So, like, I think, I think as a fan base, our expectations were through the roof because we were like, Oh, they have a great relationship, but this guy has never once in his life called offensive plays. He has no idea what he's doing. And so, like, yeah, like we can look at it like, yeah, they had a great relationship, blah, blah, blah. But like we had a team that was primed to go to the Super Bowl. And the more I look at it, getting two rookie coordinators was the dumbest thing this team could have ever done. 
we should have brought veterans into that into the into the team that knew how and, and this falls on Sirianni. I think this is you know he handpicked these coordinators. We interviewed we interviewed veterans. We interviewed people that have done this job before, and we didn't take them. And he was like, I want to stay kind of in house. I want to. I mean, we did get the sigh, but like at least on the offensive side of things, we stayed in house, and it's biting this team in the ass because this team is not a Super Bowl team right now. And, you know, today in his presser, Sirianni was like, this is my offense. And he's like, every every bit of criticism should not go on Johnson. It should go on me because this is my offense. He's just calling the plays. But, again, I would love to see a different play caller. I don't care if it's your offense. I want to see different plays. And I don't know if that's necessarily Sirianni's fault or Johnson's. Um, but something has to change. and. I just think that, you know, the beginning of the downfall of this team was in the offseason when we took two rookie coordinators instead of getting veterans in the yeah. building when we had a team that was Super Bowl ready. And, you know, real quick, uh, just real quick about that, how he leaked um, last week that um, he had to make sure to everybody that everybody knew we had the last pick of coordinators. So he's sure. basically throwing out because of our Super Bowl run, we had to pick the shitty kitty litter. What was left? The, we had to pick the almond joys in the uh, Halloween bucket. Almond joys are fantastic. So that's I bullshit. Like almond joy. Decker. Nah, Decker's right on this one. Almond joys are kind of ass. Delco yeah. boy, yeah, you got any more Reese's in there, bitch? <laughs> Reese's <laughs> are top yes. tier. Here, yeah. all right. I know you're from Delaware. I know Delaware has some whacked out ideas on how life should work. But Reese's Here we go. Are my good. candy's gonna, are my candy's about to come as a question so, of my decisions of where I live. So Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. The North Star <laughs> was in the darkness. The Eagles are wearing the all blacks against the Giants on Christmas Day. We have been undefeated in these all blacks since last season. No, we had to lie because we lost in Dallas. But anyway, um, like I said, you know. <laughs> I don't know what to expect, dude. I, I thought this would be an easy win going into the season, but after the past four weeks or three weeks, it just like concerns me. Um, we haven't, like I've said before, the only time we played a full four quarters of football was against the Dolphins. We need to do that against the Giants. The Giants are a, not a bad team. Granted, the record tells differently, but the veto, man, the veto has an Italian stallion. Like Tommy, 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 Tommy. Um, and I, I just think <laughs> if we can stop Saquon Barkley, um, bring some pressure, I think this is going to be a different story. Um, we have Boston Scott. Boston Midget Scott versus the Giants. Oh, David yeah. and Goliath. Sure. David is Boston oh, Scott. Man. Goliath is the Giants. Give Boston me Boston. Scott's gonna, He's going to yeah, punch Boston you in the Scott's face gonna... if he ever meets you, and I'm going to laugh my ass off. Today, we have Boston, Boston Scott... Scott on the pot. He just jumps off and punches Jack. That's for calling me a midget. <laughs> this is the Boston Scott game. That's all that matters. If we get yes. three touchdowns from Boston Scott, that's that's beautiful. Um, You've been saving but... him all year. <laughs> exactly. He's been in that cage. We have, he's been a feral animal. We haven't fed him, and now we're giving him all the meat. You know, he's, he's hungry. He's going to take it to the Giants, and we're going to beat them. By at least three touchdowns. So I, granted, my hopes have been given up. The season's pretty much done. We can beat the Giants. The 
last, you know, this game and the last game of the season and the Cardinals, and we'll be fine. It's just a matter of bouncing back after the shitty past three weeks. That's all I got to say. Sorry. They got to win. I have no hope. I have no hope in this team. Tommy Tommy Olive Garden is going to give him his his microwave uh, – Chicken Alfredo with the cheap ass Alfredo sauce that they have, have and the shitty breadsticks from Olive Garden to the Eagles and right up the ass. They this team sucks right now. I don't see with with Daniel with with Dan, with Danny Picks, this team sucks. The Giants. Now they're mediocre, we'll say. Hey, this Giants team. I don't think they can beat a mediocre team right now. I don't think they can beat the little sisters of the poor right now. I don't think they can beat a a Pop Warner three-year-old team anywhere here the way they're playing right now. I just don't. Like, I'm going to this game on Monday, and this is the least excited I've ever been when I've had tickets to a game. Because I don't see this team winning. Okay, the yellow. I, I just don't. Tommy, we're getting videos of you be like, oh fuck yeah, go Eagles. Woo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I get it. I hope in, they win. He's not excited. I have a question for you though, Tom. What uh what supplies on like you eating in the I know you usually make a Wawa run before, but what supplies on? Eating in the parking lot before going up against Tommy Cutlets on Christmas. No, on Christmas. On Christmas Day. So I know I know the answer Dutch wants. He wants the seven fishes answer, but the real Pisans have that on Christmas Eve. Christmas is celebrated in an Italian household on the twenty fourth, not the twenty fifth. Don't fish. get it. Seven don't fish. get it twisted. Hey, that's when we do Christmas. Is really the. 24th. So I'm asking about your leftover fucking sandwich. You're gonna have a fish sandwich or something? No, uh, I'm not. I'm I'm gonna it. either stop at Wawa. I think we're having meatballs this year. Usually we do like meatballs. The meatballs. We're gonna have some meatballs. Oh, I think we're trying to switch it up in our family. Like, try to figure out like something else. Some meatballs. I think, I think we're doing my grandmother's lasagna with the mini meatballs in it that we're doing. It. Somebody's gonna make. Like, it's gonna be some good shit. Now you're gonna again. send any or offer any to the Devito family who will be absolutely not. All right, if there, you see there, the Devito family, there's Olive Garden eating asses. <laughs> Decker, will uh, Tommy Cutlets be the guy who steals Christmas in Philadelphia? Uh, yes. Absolutely not. No, we're, we're going to beat them, but, you know, it's going to be some bullshit Italian magic backdoor cover. So that's why I only took the Eagles one and a half. Um, it's def- definitely not a matchup like – I'm am g- gonna say yeah we're gonna dominate with how we're playing but it, I mean we need to fucking win this game I'm not scared of Tommy DeVito but he could absolutely torch fucking Bradbury so yep go birds unfortunately go birds baby and uh, go birds that's pretty much content wise all we got for you guys except for- time for everybody's favorite part of the show 302 trivia with your host Jack Dalton the mayor of Delaware. Oh, Merry Trivia. 
the next question we have for you is so cringy. Eagles first call home. A, the vet. B, the link. Or C, the Brown Baker Bowl. I'm sorry, the Baker Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) The answer answer is, you know, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you guys give you guys a laugh. Um, homeboy said uh, the vet. Um, and I think you can guess who that was. And that's wrong, obviously. Decker Locks got it wrong. Anyway, the true answer is the Baker Bowl. This is where the Phillies started playing, and then it's a, it was the first multi-facet sports facility that the Eagles first started playing their career at. So the answer is the Baker Bowl. So did Matt and Tom get it then? Sorry. That was a fucking given. I never texted him. Tommy, I never. I, I guessed right. wrong in the group chat. I put the vet, so I didn't get it. How, so is are we saying that's not a given? Are you serious? No, it's not. You got to you got text me. Oh my god. Yeah, you got to text. Hey, me. hey Matt, Matt, Matt. Let me let me let me, let me ask, let me ask Did you. You got texted? No, you didn't. Let me ask you a question, Tom. No, it doesn't count, then. Matt. If you if you if you studied your ass off for a test and you got every answer correct on the practice test, <laughs> didn't go to the actual test. Does that count? No, I say it was a fucking. No, all I'm saying it was a given is because you gave us the answer. I did give you the answer. answer. That's like showing up to the SAT but not putting your name on the SAT. Oh my god, dude, that is such bullshit. <laughs> you got it. When have we? When have we ever not texted me for the Jack? Answer? You remember this whole thing, the Brown Bowl? I was like, "What the fuck's the Brown Bowl?" And then we yeah. researched it, and it was like, "Oh, oh." And then I, and then all I right, well, right, we'll figure this out later. But I mean, that's all we got for you guys. I want to thank, thank you guys you. for tuning in to this longer episode. Some middle finger birds flying around in the background. You know, we're actually talking about pigeons and shit, not you know, middle fingers and any of that. Like I said, but anyway. DeVito's coming to Philadelphia. Hopefully he doesn't spoil Christmas. Merry Christmas to you guys and your families, you filthy animals. Like Jack said, I guess if you're uh, Boston Scott, no, just kidding. But, hey, seriously, take down the Giants this week. Get the job done. Beat them. I really can't stand hearing it from another shitty fan base for another year. Um, So I got one question for you, Decker, before we wrap up, and then I'll kick it to Jack. What is on your wish list this week? Santa's wish list for Decker Locks in this Eagles game. Um, I want creative play calling. And then one more thing. I promise, man, I haven't been too naughty. I want Yamamoto for Christmas. That's all I want. Mm. You want him under well, the mistletoe? Yeah. Mm. Well, well, I'll send some culture. Exactly. Well, Matt sulks in his failure to answer the question. Drinks his <laughs> drinks his white claw surge or whatever you want to call it. Um, have a great Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> Thanks for staying on the show. Without further ado, hey Josh, it's an outro, not an intro. Hit that motherfucking outro. Merry Christmas. This is sick, actually.